yet do I marvel. I doubt not God is true, well-meaning, kind, and did God stoop to quibble could tell why. The little buried mole continues blind, why flesh that mirrors God must someday die. Make plain the reason tortured Tantalus is baited by the fickle fruit, declare. If merely brute caprice doomed Sisyphus to struggle up a never-ending stair. Inscrutable God's ways are and immune to catechism by a mind too strewn, with petty cares to slightly understand what awful brain compels God's awful hand. Yet do I marvel at this curious thing to make a poet black and bid him sing. Big up, County Cullen. Namaste, Assalamu alaikum, Shalom. Mir, Niha, Buenos Dias, Buenos Tardes, Hesache, Aquaba, Vokimin. What up, though? This is Convo with Zuri G. I am Zuri G. And this convo is with Brother Bradley. So, Brother Bradley is a vet, an elder, an established older brother amongst the Melange brethren of this earth. Specifically, particularly, the Mancunians in Manchester, England, where he hails and he travails and triumphs. Um, this combo that we have is, again, another archive joint from a number of years ago. Uh, maybe over cinco years ago, at least, they're bolts. So, um, we talk about his uh, work in, in the, uh, the mixed movement, the mixed race community in Manchester and in England in general, in, the, in, in Britain, Britannia as a whole. Uh, he establishes a number of years ago, actually, as it says in the description that I've already written, uh, that he establishes uh, mixed, uh, M-I-X hyphen D, um, about 20 years ago or so at least and um, in recent years he he uh, ventures into an entrepreneurial endeavor of uh, mixed hair care or hair care products mixed hair care products um, so he, he talks about his organizing experience um, this is again this is from the mixed spirit series so we talk about spirituality he talks about his religious experience um, his his uh, approach towards uh, spirituality, spiritual path. Uh, I remember him talking about uh, his organizing a gospel choir uh, concert each year uh, and, and appreciating for the message other than necessarily the religiosity. And I think the basic sentiment or the basic uh, perspective that he shares is very um, attuned with the general... Uh, experience amongst mixed people uh, it, it, that I've observed and that I've that I've experienced, um, where there is not necessarily a, a, a strong vehemence against religiosity, but there's also a certain leeriness or, or skepticism or just discomfort. And well, anyways, that, I'll leave the commentary for afterwards. Uh, but that's just something that I remember. It's been a while since I listened to this convo again, um, but very much appreciate his perspective we talk about organizing on um uh at universities uh and the uh the uh the different approaches and different emphases different priorities amongst community organizers and academics uh and additionally uh so much of these issues he talks about from his experience over uh, a decade ago um and these are these still continue today um but things are evolving, things are improving, um, and there's much work to continue. So, with that said, here's the joint. Hey, Bradley. Hey, brother. Just give me um, five minutes. Let me park this car, man. All right. Sounds well. I'm just returning home.
So, man, it's been such a busy day. Yeah, I know how that goes. Okay. Okay, have you got... Okay, bro. Ah, all right. You ready? Ready. Excellent. So uh, you're in Manchester, right? I am, yes. Manchester. Manchester. <laughs> Got it. So, where are you uh, based? Excuse me? Where are you based? I'm actually in Ohio. Do you know where that okay. is? I'm in Cuyahoga, Ohio, which is basically Cleveland. Hmm. Okay. By the by the Great Lakes. By the Great Lakes indeed. <laughs> yeah. So actually uh I was gonna uh let you know that uh, I actually live in Manchester for a little while, uh, a number of years ago. Yes. I do a study abroad, so I live on Booth Street West and Oxford Road. Uh, yeah. At that's Manchester. quite close. That, that's close to you? Yeah, I live in I live in Moss Side. Okay. Which is very close to Oxford Street. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I, I was at the Manchester Business School. Um, that, okay. was, that was before the, uh, the merger with the university. Uh, right. And uh, so beautiful time there. Um, yeah. I, I tell my friends there are three types of, uh, three kinds of weather uh, in England. It just yep. rained, it's raining, or it's about to rain. <laughs> but, I, but I love it. It makes the grass grow green. <laughs> <laughs> He's exotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So are you a United or a City fan? A City fan, of course. That's oh, a I, we might have to end the conversation right here. All right. Good night. <laughs> it's been lovely. It's been kind of nice. Yeah, I know. You've had, you've had a nice little run for the past few years. Sure, yeah. But uh, Manchester United, that's more of an international team in Manchester. Yeah. Real Union support Manchester City. I know, I know. But you know what? When I when I went to Met when I was at the business school, uh, I was oblivious to the whole thing. Um, and the people at the business school said, Oh, you gotta be a United supporter. Because that's I mean, everybody jumped on the bandwagon during those mm -hmm. that was that was the days of uh, Beckham and everything. Actually a little bit before Beckham came up. Um, right. so that was I mean it was Eric Cantona at that moment. Um so I, I just I became a United supporter and and it's uh that's that's just how I, I stick with it. So, uh, but you know what the the barber shop that I used to go to um, yeah. in in Manchester was like a, a one or two blocks away from the old stadium where okay. where uh, where City used to play. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm close to the area. Yes. Okay. Cool. So yeah. So I mean I appreciate both, but I I, I gotta I gotta stay with my even even during these these tough tough mm -hmm. periods. Uh, that we have uh, the nil-nil draws and mm -hmm. and uh, everything else going on. But anyways, uh, no, I just... I, don't, don't worry, man. You'll come to your sense at some time. <laughs> it might take a little longer than you think. But, you I, know, I've got I, faith. <laughs> actually, you know what? I, I support a number of clubs around the earth. And the club that I support in Australia, uh, it used to be called uh, Melbourne Heart. Uh, but the owners of Manchester City uh, yep. bought the club and renamed it Melbourne City. Uh, so there's, there's a little bit of a connection there at this point. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so how's, how's everything going in Manchester? Yeah, everything's really good actually, thanks man, yeah. Okay. The life, the business, um, the projects have been running for 10 years. Yeah. Really well, I self-fund that, so I work at the airport as well. Okay. Uh, and I've just been, I'm developing a new project, an element to the project to develop the brand um, in the coming year. 
so yeah, it's all very creative and interesting. Okay. Mm. So I, I learned about Mixed a, a number of years ago, and I know you've been doing it for a while. Uh, yeah. but, but for those who know less about it and, and less about the, the, the whole mixed race scene in England, uh, can you talk a little bit about that and, and describe that a little bit? Yeah, the reason, um, the reason I set Mixed up was to just give advice for those people who often don't get involved in academic discussions okay. on mixed race identity. And I don't know what the discussions, well, how familiar people are with the discussion of mixed race identity outside of the UK. But it tends to be predominantly, or it tends to predominantly happen around an academic setting. Okay. So I wanted, whilst I think that's valuable, I think the academic setting is, is more of a critique of the subject. Um, with the mixed race conversation, I'm not really looking for problems, I'm just looking for experiences. So sure. I wanted everyday people to have an opportunity where they could add value to those ongoing academic discussions and share their experiences. I thought that would be more useful. Yeah. So I did that both from a personal perspective, because I was interested myself, but also to just see if we can widen the conversation. And that went really well. So I've been doing that for the last, as I say, 10 years. Yeah. Um, it's all been self-funded, so I've gone around the country and spoken to hundreds and hundreds of young people and older people on the subject of mixed race identity. And then I, I took that information and codified it and codified it into an educational package, which yeah. multi-agencies can use if they choose to be enlightened on the subject of mixed race identity or if there are more young people who want to further that discussion and build on that. I kind of made that a little bit easier, I think. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I definitely appreciate your emphasis on experience because I know, uh, it. first of all, it can be very hard to find other people who share this experience. And so a lot of times people are, are go on in life with, with all these questions and, and challenges without sure. somebody to talk about it with. And so when somebody does find somebody else often or finds a community what I'm, what I observe with the number of years of experience is that it, it, it kind of becomes a, a gripe session of, yeah, of, just talking yeah, about, of yeah. complaining about this, that, and the other, which yeah. is needed. And I mean, people need to vent and get that out. Sure. Um, but it's also beneficial to advance the conversation. Um, yeah. and, and to focus just on experience, I think that's beneficial because that that's supportive. Uh, and a lot of those solutions are, are intrinsically shared just by sharing the experience uh, and being positive and not, not, not avoiding the, the negative or whatever, but just emphasizing the positive and the solutions and just talking about experience and, yeah. and letting the solution speak for itself through that. Correct. And it's a way of re I think it's a, a better way of rebalancing. As I say, an academic entry point into the discussion is looking yeah. for a problem which I'm not, I'm not really looking for any problems. I don't think there is a problem. And I think historically we've been sold the notion that mixing is an issue, but it right. isn't to me and never has been in that respect. So yeah, I think if you can allow people the space to enter at it from a different, or, or not even looking for an answer, just looking for an open space to have a conversation and to learn and to edit their own thoughts out loud, because it's more of an editing process, isn't it? You yeah. have to move from an emotional perspective to an informed perspective. Right. And you can do that by listening to others, by talking to others, and ensuring that those others are not trying to find an answer for you because everyone has different ex experience on this, a different journey. Yeah. There are some similarities. And similarly, there are very, very different experiences around. So I wanted to create a platform where all of those voices could be heard and understood. Cool. And yeah, that's, that's kind of worked. Cool. <laughs> so uh, to give you a little bit of, of uh, a background about myself and, and, and this project, so um, I, uh, I do interfaith work, which is basically building bridges between uh, different religious and ethnic communities. Um, and I also do uh, mixed race, mixed ethnicity advocacy. Uh, and I noticed that there, there, there tends to be a little bit of a divide between those two types, between those two fields. Um, right. and, and specifically for uh, the mixed community, um, there tends to be, um, it tends, like you said, it tends to be very academic. Uh, and in that academic focus, it tends to be very secular. Uh, and it tends to abstain from uh, addressing the experience of spirituality or religion or, or something to that effect. 
Um, and so the idea with this project of the, the mixed spirit project is basically to, 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 uh, broach that subject, to introduce, uh, that experience of spirituality and religion and how that, that guides, uh, individuals, uh, mixed experience, how that informs people's experience being mixed on uh, how people find solutions in that respect. Uh, so I'm just interviewing a number of friends. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of like, a very um, informal. Um, I have five basic questions, uh, and um, it's, it's kind of open ended and and um, and just uh, just flow flowing with that. Um, so does, does that sound all right? Yeah, that sounds good, man. Okay, cool. So um, if if there's if if there's an absence of anything else, I can just jump into the first question. Sure, no, go to it, man. All right, cool. So the first question basically is. Um, what is the ethnic and spiritual background of your father and what is the ethnic and spiritual background of your mother? Okay, my, uh, my ethnic, my mother is white English. Okay. Church of England. Okay. And my father is black Jamaican. Ah. And he would be... I'd like to say... Seven-day Adventist. Okay. Non-conforming Seven-day Adventist. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, so very, very um, simple. Um, we can move on to the second question. Mm-hmm. All right. So the second question is, um, what do your parents teach you growing up as a child? Uh, drawing from that background of the, of the Anglican Church and, and drawing from the, the tradition of the Seven-day Adventist. Um, what, what teachings, um, do your parents share about life, uh, about religion or, or, um, that what, what teachings stand out to you, um, um, during your childhood? Okay. From my mother's side, I had very little connection with the church. Okay. It was more of a, um, it was more of a signature on my birth certificate to say that there was this religion in the background, but it wasn't okay. anything that we practiced. Okay. But I say within that her being a very spiritual individual she she taught me the values of kindness mm. more than anything and okay. kindness and values of family okay um, my dad on the other hand his family were much more into church so i was raised with my mother okay. my mom and fa- my mother and father split up when i was about four okay and my dad remarried Okay. And I would visit my dad at weekends with his second family. And we would go to church occasionally, but not a lot. But I think uh, we'd always pray before we sat down to eat. Ah, okay. Which was, um, which was interesting because when I was at my mom's house, we didn't pray. Okay. So we still, as a big man, I still pray when I'm with my dad in his house. Okay. And I think what I picked up from his lifestyle and he wasn't very, he wasn't a great church goer, okay. but what I picked up was some of those traditions around the values of being respectful and friendships and just being a good human being. Sure. How was that communicated? It was inferred rather than mm. indoctrinated upon us. Yeah. But I definitely picked it up. I definitely, understood that religion was there to guide me in some ways to focus my attention on the better sides of humanity yeah rather than um yeah it helped me to focus on that yeah it wasn't something i was exposed to all of the time but it was enough for me to connect with and carry that through into adulthood yeah yeah i appreciate that and and uh when, when you uh talk about um, the, the teachings or the lessons that are inferred, uh, it, it makes me think of how, how much we learn as children, particularly as children, but even as adults as well. Mm. When we're children, we learn a lot from our parents by observing our parents. And so there's, there's the, the spoken word and the spoken principles and teachings, but there's also the example that our parents set. Um, and, and just seeing how our parents interact with others. I can, when, when listening to you, I think about, um, like what, what my father teaches me growing up. Uh, and just uh, when you talk about the kindness and, and respect, um, 
my, my father would, would talk with us uh, to a certain extent, and, but I know a lot of it I learned from him. A lot of what I learned from him is just by watching how he interact with others and, and how he was concerned for, for others um, and things like that. So I appreciate you mentioning uh, that notion of, of the inferred uh, teachings and, and the focus on respect as well. I think an observation I made of, I'm able to reflect on it now as an adult, but, and I wasn't able to articulate it as a child. There were many people around me who attended church on a regular basis, but I would also see them get involved in mm. um, different manners of mis different misdemeanors. Sure. Yeah. And it confused me, but growing up, I, I suppose the fact that my mother didn't physically go into church made me feel safe that you can still be a good person you don't have to be in church mm -hmm. and that there are equally people who go to church physically spend time in that space who don't always um, perform the right action yeah okay. yeah so yeah. it helped me to balance to think well okay even if I'm not ascending church I can still be a valuable human being in yeah. lots of other ways and there are people who go to church who in my observation weren't being valuable human beings yeah but were considered to be more valuable because they attended a church right they, they attended a building <laughs> i hear you, I hear you. yes yeah i i definitely uh re that resonates with me uh again thinking about my my father my far um the only time I ever saw, I saw him in a church on one occasion, um, which was when I was in high school and the church was hosting like a, um, a seminar or, se or some, some session about how to get scholarships for university. So he, he attended that session to, to learn about how to get scholarships. Other than that, that's the only time I saw him in a church. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, like you say, um, you learn, you learn how to, um, you learn to observe people's behavior and, and observe principles in action and principles of righteousness and kindness and respect um, in, in, in what people do on a regular basis rather than just focusing on like the, 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 the facade of, of, of um, where a person goes once a day or once a week or whatever else. You, you, see, you see what people's characters are about by observing them continually. Um, I think I've seen many more acts of compassion happen outside of church however right. people would view that i don't go to church that i wouldn't understand compassion ah. observe it but no certainly i've seen more outside of church i would say yeah for my experience yeah well you, well that's that's a, uh it's a tough it's a tough lesson uh to learn in life about uh hypocrisy or contradiction um and and so um that kind of that kind of sweat segues us into the third question if we can move on to that. Is that cool? Yeah, cool. Man. Right. Yeah. So the third question are, is, uh, what are some of the challenges that you experienced growing up as a child, as a youth? Um, uh, some, you mentioned uh, observing people who, who go to church but, but behaved in another way. Um, what, what are some of the challenges that you experienced either in religion or just in life, in, in community or whatever, uh, as, as a child and as a youth? Hmm. That's a big question. Yeah. Um, if I split it up into two sections. Okay. I, um, shall we say, I, I experienced a lot of psychological, emotional struggles when I was younger okay. because I, I inherited, I inherited other people's opinions about my mother and father's relationship and uh -huh. about race and identity. Yeah. So I internalize external opinions about who I should be or what I should be. So, and, and also in my education system in the UK, it was very, um, it was very what I call mono heritage. Mm. So it was either a black identity or a white identity. Sure. And as a young person, I think I was very similar to lots of young people. I, I just wanted to fit in, mm -hmm. but I never felt like I fitted in. Because yeah. I didn't fit into this prescribed single mono heritage identity. Yeah. However, with all of the love um, and great parenting I had from both my parents, mm. they too didn't understand how it felt to be considered not black enough to be black and not white um, enough to be white. Okay. 
Um, it was as elementary as that. Obviously, when you grow older, you, you learn more sides of your character and personality yeah. and identity. But yeah. certainly, that, would, that was a struggle. That was one of my personal struggles because to compound it slightly, I had older white brothers as well. So my mum mm -hmm. had children before she met my father. Okay. So I was looking for some models to follow and I was looking to find a way to be authentic at the same time. But society was telling me I should choose one racial identity at the exclusion of another. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to value or overvalue one identity over the other. So I didn't know how to say, well, a black identity is better than a white or a white identity is better than a black. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't anybody there to guide me. So on a very personal level, I think that's where my project started years, many, many years back. Yeah. But it took me time to find a way to bring both sides of my identity into, into a full identity and, and both sides of my parent heritage. Yeah. So I could be all of my mother and all of my father in the same person. Yeah. But I was very much felt like I was being steered to choose one or the other. So that was, that was, that was a big conflict for a time, which eventually became resolved. Um, and the second question you asked about religion or about conflicts, I suppose I, I've always, I've been slightly suspicious of any denomination which doesn't allow me, doesn't allow or isn't accepting of other people. So many, many, many of the religions I, I, looked into tended to have elements to them which i felt were weren't compassionate mm. towards things they didn't understand okay and i was unable to i can under i, I can i can reason that now as i'm you know a mature apparently middle-aged man but yeah. uh, i couldn't then so yeah, those were two, those were the conflicts in my head. One was about the social constructs of racial identity. Sure. And one was about the emotional psychological construct of where you put your spirit, if you like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think many people, many mixed people uh, definitely identify with, with the challenges that you experience even today. I think today there may be a, additional tools available, um, but, but it's a matter of, of finding it and a lot of people and a lot of parents uh, have yet to learn about the organizations and the activists and, and the work that's being done for mixed people uh, mm -hmm. and so a lot of the children still are, are, are dealing with a lot of those same issues um, and so um, I appreciate that there are, are there are organizations and activists out here doing the work so that that children and youth can eventually find um, that that community and that that option uh, to identify uh, as as and, and embrace all the traditions, and not pick and choose uh, sure. one one uh, community or heritage uh, yeah. over another one. Uh, yeah. Are you are you familiar with um, Maria Root, the the psychologist? Yeah, yeah the Bill of Rights. Right, exactly. Yes. So I think uh, I think that's it's a powerful tool just to to get that affirmation because yeah. there's there's a lot of uh, scrutiny about allegiance and decisions and things like that mm. from, from out from outside communities when you talk about the mono heritage communities uh and so when, when you're talking about the the difficulty that you had uh dealing with the mono heritage community uh par paradigm uh i remember myself growing up i went to a small private uh school for uh for my first 11 years of school and it was comparatively eurocentric um, and that's how I identified myself because that's that's just how I saw myself in that context yeah. uh, Then for high school I go to a large public school, which is comparatively predominantly of people of African descent uh, And I begin to identify in that respect because that's what I surround myself in um, yes. And it's not until later on and, and some might say well, he's 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 changing camps or, or whatever else but it's, it's a matter of that's that's where that's my surroundings That's what I know and also I'm still just learning uh, and so I'm trying to fit in. Uh, and so it's just a matter of, 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 of accommodating or ad adapting and adjusting to the circumstances uh, as, I, I, as I learn who I am as an individual. Uh, yeah. And so it's, 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 it's a few years later on as a young adult that I begin to say, I'm, I'm both of these heritages. I'm all, all my heritages of my ancestors. Uh, and, and begin to uh, be firm and, and um, 
have a foundation to stand yeah. upon to make yeah. that proclamation. So, um, so I appreciate you voice articulating uh, that challenge, and and also when you talk about religion, uh, again there there be there becomes that binary of us versus them or us and them, uh, and there's a certain amount of treatment for those who are in our fold, uh, and then there's a certain amount of treat or the, a different type of treatment for those who are outside of our fold, uh, and I think that there's that tendency within each religion of that us and them mentality, and, and it's difficult to observe. Yeah. Particularly when people are talking about that kindness and and love and everything else uh, that, that you talk about, uh, yeah. but, but but then are selective with whom the people share it with. Um, so it's a difficult kind of um, awakening to observe uh, and experience um, when you see that that duality. Uh, there was there was a formula that um, I developed out of. So I gathered all of this research from many many young people and, and many voices mm -hmm. and if you can imagine i've got all of this all of this data and i wanted to find a way to make it useful for other people to read and to enjoy and to learn mm -hmm. from so i was able to codify that into a formula okay and interestingly enough what you're asking for falls within this formula which i developed around the mixed identity and there were three sections so every single person i spoke to experienced one or all three of the following stages <clears throat> uh, and I use my language rather than an academic language <clears throat> excuse me okay. so the first stage was what I call nowhereness which was some people didn't feel black enough to be black or white enough to be white for example and you could say that within religion so people don't know if they're in it or, or out of it sure. so there was a definite sense of nowhereness where people felt or they didn't know where they fitted in Stage two was what we call somewhereness. So somewhereness was for me, when people were calling me a nigger at a certain age, when I was maybe a teenager, I thought, okay, if you're going to call me a nigger, then I'm going to be a nigger. Mm. And I did what I thought was being a nigger then, which was yeah. to grow my hair in the cool doo-doo rings and to what we call doo-doo foot and talk out the side of my mouth and kiss my teeth and do everything which was okay. not white. Yeah. Which obviously wasn't being black. It was just, it was being urban more than anything. Sure. But I was, what I was doing was, I was doing that somewhere and so I thought, okay, if I can't be both, I'm going to have to be one or the other. So I was choosing. Mm. And I think that's what people do within religions. You go, okay, well, I'm going to go for this or for that. In the end, where I found peace was a place which we call groundedness. And groundedness where you take both elements of parent culture and create an identity which isn't specifically like either. Mm. And I think that's where I've gotten to now in that I take all of the spirituality which I've got from my black Jamaican family and understanding the formulas and the traditions and the rituals within side church. And I've, I've brought that together with all of the things that my mom has done which are outside of church and created a grounded sense of just being a good human being. Sure. So that formula helped me to understand these categories which were presented to me. And all of the people I spoke to from a mixed race perspective perspective had mostly experienced one or all of those. Mm. Some had jumped straight to groundedness and some felt completely <laughs> embracing with it. Others would struggle with it for many, many years and feel they weren't enough. It was always a sense of not feeling enough. Mm. You know? Um, right. That's like always proving oneself. Yeah, yeah, yes. Always proving yourself. You know, everybody experiences that in one way or another, I find, as well. Exactly, exactly. So you could apply that formula to many, many different spaces in life. I just chose the mixed race subject because it was something yeah. I understood. Yeah. And certainly, it could, be, it could go in any setting. And you're talking about development. You're talking about people understanding themselves and, and how people grow into be a full version of themselves. Mm. But that takes time and it takes the shedding of many skins and it, it takes many different um, failures and successes. Yeah. To yeah. Get to, but I think I, I got to it late. Well, uh, I, I definitely appreciate what, you, what you're sharing. And uh, when you talk about those three stages, uh, I, I do think that many people can identify with that. Um, and actually, that, that kind of leads us into the fourth question. Um, 
Um, so you talk about the 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 third stage of groundedness. Um, yes. So the fourth question is, um, what are the solutions that you find amidst those challenges as an adult? Um, and you talk about the groundedness. Perhaps you could talk about how you arrive at that experience of groundedness and 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 some some uh, advice that you can share to young people who are still trying to to to, to experience that. Um, there are a couple of things, there are a couple of ways I found this. And when working with young people, I would always say to them that real you is better than the fake you. Mm. So wherever you are in life, the real you is always going to be better than the fake you. And they would say, well, somebody called me this name and somebody called me that name. And I would respond and say, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people call you. It's what you choose to respond to. Mm -hmm. So... You can only respond to something if you know who and what you are. So mm. you have to do that exploration on your own. And your parents and your friends and your family can give you some pointers. But at the end of the day, that core you is locked inside. Mm. And you've got to find a way to uncover that. Yeah. As, as, an older, as an older generation of this population i kind of feel now that my identity isn't as important as it was when i was younger okay because i realize how much my identity is wrapped up in my ego mm. and actually my identity is if you like it's a boiled egg it hasn't got a look on it or a shape or a size or a color okay i'm, just, I'm a set of values i'm a i'm a nice person and, and i like to do certain things and i get lots of things wrong but that has nothing to do with race and identity. Sure. But I do live in a society where race and identity has an impact on day-to-day -day living. So I guess my advice is to, to really be true to yourself, to be very honest, and, and not, to, not to model yourself on somebody else, but to make the real, the, what I call making me, is make you. So that will be all of your mother and all of your father. Bring all mm -hmm. of those things together, the good and the bad. Sure. And equally, have fun. Don't lose sight of the fact that race is a social construct. But because things are not re real in reality, doesn't mean it's not real in their consequence. Mm. So have fun with working out who you are, but yeah. know that underneath that, underneath all that rubble, you actually are just a, a, a spirit, a sense of being. <laughs> awesome. Beautiful. I like that. So, um, on a kind of a side note, you were you were involved in a, um, organizing or, or convening a, a gospel gospel concert recently. Is that correct? Yes. So yes. Can, you talk, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, that came that came into being for probably totally different reasons than people would imagine. <laughs> okay. I live in Manchester, and I used to go to London around Christmas time. And London's about a three hour drive. Okay. Which is a long time for people in the UK. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a long journey. And I would go there Christmas time and the London Community Gospel Choir would sing. And I always really enjoyed entering the Christmas season to those sounds. Mm -hmm. And I used to think it was such a shame because I, I, I was fortunate to have the funds to travel then. Mm -hmm. I used to think it was a shame that my friends and family couldn't come and listen to this and were exposed oh. to it. So I decided to bring the singers to Manchester. Okay. So that my people could enjoy it. Sure. So I got some, um, some singers together, hired a venue and thought, okay, well, why don't we do this in Manchester once a year? And brother, that's how it happened. <laughs> Just like that. So really, I wanted to share the experience of hearing those beautiful vocals and a tight band and the, the positive messages behind it. But lots of my church friends thought I was doing it because it was more of a church driven sure. um, experience. And it wasn't, I'm more secular than I am church. Yeah. But I also felt that it shouldn't just exist within church, that there are ways that we could all share this. Okay. Messages from it. And that's that's where it came from. So cool. and it's taken off really well, actually. Cool. Yeah. So I have to ask you. This is this is me personally asking. Uh, yeah. So when I hear when I hear gospel or gospel concert, um, UK, um, I'm thinking to myself, 
okay, I, I know what gospel gospel music is like in the United States. Um, and I know that it's it's rooted within the experience of slavery. Um, and it, it, it has that soulfulness. It has that striving, that yearning. Um, and, and a lot of it utilizes uh, Judeo-Christian references. Mm-mm. But it's also very kind of non-denominational, or just just like it, what like what it says, spiritual rather than religious. Uh, yeah. And it's a it's a matter of of the triumph of the soul. Uh, and so I think a lot of people it resonates with a lot of people in a lot of different traditions, particularly well in, in a lot of different traditions uh, mm. because of that, because of that universal experience of triumph of of, of suffering over suffering. And yeah. sorrow and destitution and everything yeah. else. Here's this. Here's this um, um, rebellious, um, even joyous uh, voice, song, music yeah. Uh, yeah. that's triumphant, um, and and uh, that's that's contagious. Um, yeah. So that's my experience of gospel music. I love gospel music. So is that is that the same gospel music in the UK? Is it is it drawing from that same experience or or what all, all, all of the gospel singers I, I include in the show? are currently on the circuit so they're doing they're doing their work okay but often they are not shared with the secular sector okay so people do not bring them into non-church going mm. setting and yes you're right the messages they bring forth are really valuable for everyone to hear sure and from what i've observed the secular crowd the non-church crowd respect the grounding that these singers have had in terms of being able to create these sounds and connect with that part of themselves which makes that sound Mm -hmm. and because of that they can then take some of those positives from that without feeling they have to become completely church sure sure yeah so it really is um it's a sharing but also similarly it's nice for the churchgoers who are religious churchgoers to find a way to communicate what's important to them right in a non-doctrine way and to almost dilute it so that other people can take some on sure you know in philosophy they call it the socratic route you know where you take small small examples of good things which happen instead of over empowering people or making them feel guilty about not doing the right thing mm-hmm. give them small good examples and i wanted to give people exposure to those who really enjoy gospel singing and those who enjoy hearing it but you don't have to be doing this all the time cool nice nice so uh that leads us to our fifth question and our concluding question so we talk about uh your background the background of your parents and and and, and uh some of the, the the lessons that your parents share with you as a child some of the challenges that you experience um, as, as a child and youth um, of, of belonging, identity, um, and contradiction. Uh, and, and we talk about uh, some of the solutions that you experience, uh, particularly the three stages and, and the groundedness um, and the self-assurance, uh, the, the real us, the real individual, the real who we are inside of ourselves. Uh, beyond the ego and beyond race and ethnicity and all these other tendencies as spiritual beings. Um, so with all that considered, um, what is the message that you have to share with the universe? What is your message? You are it. <laughs> okay. You are it, basically. I think every, every individual I come into contact with they are it. Mm. They are consciousness within this, within these thought structures, within this structure of society. So, yeah, it's always back to that. The real you will always be better than the fake you. So yeah. take time in to discover who you are and to follow your own light however you find that. And I think the, the process of building a social identity when you're mixed race means that oftentimes you have to question yourself in a way that some mono heritage individuals don't have to question mm. 
themselves and their place in the universe, in society and being. And within that, it means you can often stumble across answers in yourself which allow you to live a freer existence and to connect with more different people and to allow barriers to break down if you take those lessons correctly. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's to keep exploring. Cool. Thank you very much, Bradley. Thank you, my brother. I hope that was helpful. Definitely. I don't know about you, but I think that was a rich combo. I think that Brother Bradley shares some valuable gems. Um, some some brief quips like uh, you are it and the real you is better than the fake you. Uh, I think those are important messages, valuable messages, uh, reson resonant messages, uh, but also uh, as I'm listening to this again for the first occasion in a while, years probably, uh, I'm thinking of a few things actually. I'm thinking about the towards the beginning of the convo, him talking about uh, specifically his far, because actually after that uh, convo that we have a number of years ago, his far passes away, um, and so uh, we we t I remember him, him and I having a conversation uh, after this one about that, uh, and me I, I think I was reaching out and giving providing condolences. Um, but so to hear him talk about his, the religiosity of his far whilst his far is still alive uh, is that kind of uh, hits home a little bit. Um, and there's appreciation, the, the insight, um, the notion of learning about um, virtue and how virtue exists in many different ways um, and to abstain from making uh, categorical discountings or um, surface, le surface level judgments um, and instead to, to have the uh, inclination for um, investigation um, and truly learning the nature of people and, and why people do what people do uh, and, and to be um, compassionate, empathetic accordingly. So anyways, that's, uh, that's some of what I think about. Um, there's something else about his family um, that I appreciate. Well, I mean, just the insight. I mean, uh, he speaks from uh, an experience. Uh, and so there's a lot of substance within the words that he shares. Because the, the, the words that he shares come from a, 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 an extensive process of uh, experience, reflection, processing, um, and, then, and, and then sharing. Um, the three, the three um, stages of nothingness, somewhereness, and groundedness. Actually, to be honest, whilst I was listening to this, uh, it, it, it sparked some ideas. Um, so, with the uh, the groundedness, uh, no, having a, a, a foundation of who one is, knowing who one is, um, being secure and rooted, rooted and secure uh, within that, um, and uh, sharing with others accordingly. Um, I think again that's something that many young people can 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 identify with and can appreciate. Uh, and as I'm listening to this joint, I'm thinking about uh, where things are today. Like actually, this past week, um, um, we make we have strides. We make strides. We progress within strides of uh, the community building. Uh, and actually, well, before I get into that, I'll, I'll also say like, well, so I'm listening to the convo with Bradley, brother Bradley. Um, all the uh, the football jibba uh, aside, ha ha ha. Um, it just is just like, yo, there needs to be another convo. There needs to be like a follow up and, and delve deeper or de delve further specifically and and uh, at, at greater length in in a number of those topics, number of those insights. Um, and so one thought is, as I continue with this podcast. Um, Instead of having a script, and, and I've already adjusted the the, the, the process. Uh, there's a um, there's a we, there's a convo that's recorded earlier this week, so it, it's we continue with it uh, amidst all the archive joints. Uh, but anyways, 
in the beginning of this podcast, there was there was a basically kind of like like a script or I did a top five type of thing, and that's cool. But actually, actually at this point, I might do like a "What's up with you?" series, uh, and just that's the question: "What's up with you?" Uh, and then have a conversation, be, being relaxed, and in that, I can worry less about sticking to a script, and then just delve into the convo and just be relaxed about it. So, because uh, I'm still being, uh, I'm still somewhat self-conscious about. The rigidity, I think, is less. It's less um, uh, noticeable or, or um, uh, distracting in this convo. Uh, and, but I think also, um, anyways, that's what the thought. What's up with you? And just having a convo along those lines. Uh, and 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 that's. I'm also noticing it helps to have do some research first to, to have like things to follow up, be specific, because uh, I found that to be increasingly effective in the convo. Uh, in this joint, uh, when I talk about the gospel choir and additionally the gospel concert, um, so specificity, um, but also um, storytelling and and sharing songs and and Brother Bradley talks about this in this this joint. Uh, I think that's helpful in the rootedness and and the groundedness. Um, and so listening to him, what his experience uh, in, in building community uh, and organization in the past decades. Um, and we talk about the, the connection between academia and addition, as I mentioned before. Um, but I think about where things are today uh, and still working to build community, still working to, to like establish a, a, a premise for connection and relationship uh, in, a, in a continual, regular, kind of, and even um, informal or organic or just relaxed kind of thing rather than just like an obligatory obligatory uh kind of context so uh still working on that and but i imagine it would be interesting to hear what what his uh like how he finds his community uh other beyond just the organization organization and working with youth but when he talks about wanting to have a concert gospel concert for his brethren in, in manchester uh like how does he find those brethren how does he build uh, that community be able to organize that um so that's one thing um but but that being said i also think like i said earlier this week i have a conversation with the alumni office of one of my alma mater uh about establishing a pluralism interest group uh on the uh the social networking platform of the university uh and so this is something that's been like i've been advocating and working for years and years talking to universities about establishing an alumni group that that's based upon either being mixed race or mixed, mixed heritage, uh, melange, however we want to describe that. Um, and it's, it's, it's been like very, very, um, unresponsive, uh, kind of like a, yeah, yeah, sounds, but then little follow through. So, um, a number of universities have social in intra university social networks and in those such social networks, there are interest groups, uh, particularly for the purpose of uh, networking between alumni and students or in recent alumni, uh, but also having special interests uh, otherwise. So uh, I just talked with a, a staff member from the alumni office about establishing a pluralism interest group. And we're, what, we're, what we're sharing this or how we're constructing this is based on the premise of four experiences or four degrees of pluralism. So the first degree is uh, being um, multicultural, or and or interfaith and that we just basically define as having an interest in people of different lands then the second degree is uh, being mixed heritage being mixed uh, and we define that as having ancestry from people of different lands the third degree is world citizenship which we define as having commitment towards people of different lands and then the fourth one numero cuatro is wealth ethos uh, which we define as um having uh discipline with people of different lands so each of those are very distinct there are there are significant diaspora uh, around the earth that are predicated upon each of those different kind of experiences and very actually a very very modest kind of direct intentional sustained interaction and cooperation and building along, along those lines the interfaith scene stays with the interfaith scene uh, the mixed race or the mixed heritage scene stays with the mixed heritage scene. The world citizenship has its own identity and well, ethos has its own identity in its own circle. So, uh, but very similar and, and, and like very, very, um, actually the same in many respects in terms of foundational premise. 
So we're, we're um, constructing this pluralism interest group uh, along all those lines, um, all including all those elements uh, as an all-inclusive kind of group for people who have an interest in people of different lands. Um, and uh, so we're getting some uh, support. We're getting some responsiveness on the part of the university. Um, and uh, we continue rolling with that. So that's that's one of the, the, the like the updates and that's one of the... Uh, the uh, the the evolution evolutions of this experience of community as being mixed. Um, one thing I still think is, is is appropriate, important, and would be beautiful is just to chop it up with with brethren around the earth uh, and have like a, a a call. And that's one thing I work on this podcast. But my calm situation is uh, challenging at the moment. But um, just have what's up with you what's up on that side what's going on that's it and uh and, and build from there and then even perhaps make it regular make it like once a year or something like that uh but just build building sense of community where we are locally uh and respectively and then also connecting with our communities connecting with our villages internationally so that uh, there's increasing support uh so that's what's happening on this side um I think I already mentioned some of the um, the things that we're working on in terms of medicine patches, uh, and, and additionally, I might have called it medicine badge, but it's medicine patch up at this point. Um, but it was only a few days ago since I recorded that because I recorded that late, and now I'm doing these early. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, that's that's much of it. Um, that's what's all on this side. Anything else? Oh, storytelling. The other, the other thought is, um, and, and, and that idea, the concept, that principle, and guidance of groundedness uh, that Brother Bradley shares. Um, a lot of what I share is is like very conceptual, um, and, and even when we're talking about experience, uh, it can be just like a lot of words. And and I think what's helpful is share stories, share stories. Um, and songs too and then let those stories start the combo with, with the with the community with the children with the adults with the elders um, with the youth um, share the stories and then talk about experience based upon that shared experience of story uh, so when it comes to being mixed in, in, in pluralistic working with different cultures multiculturalism uh, what we're already doing is learning the stories, the traditional ancient rooted stories, the ancestral stories uh, from our different traditions, from our different uh, peoples, uh, our different cultures. So the, the thought that kind of um, becomes increasingly clear and specific as I'm listening to Brother Bradley is um, in the work that I'm doing at this moment, um, solidifying and, and even perhaps expanding a little bit uh, a, a library of stories to share with youth and then uh, like training, educating, teaching youth the stories themselves but also the art of storytelling and then uh, encouraging youth to, to go in uh, to, 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 to be hired to go to a visit to school to go to a community center to go to a university to go to a house of worship and tell the stories um, but I think what's helpful is like just to, share, to, to learn and share the stories and then everything else that, we, that, that I work with, that we work to do, that we've been working on in terms of ethics, in terms of ethics-based cooperation, in terms of econ- uh, ethics-based economic cooperation. Um, and additionally, I mean, even, even when it comes to political situations and, and uh, uh, all the different movement scenes and additionally, let that be secondary and tertiary to the stories and songs as Confucius shares with us um, to just share the stories and the songs and then when people are are, are, are receptive and increasingly trusting and, and comfortable then amidst amenability sharing convo about ethics sharing convo about economic cooperation sharing convo about uh, political organizing or, or I should say community organizing because political sounds very political uh, but yeah, so all those all those additional elements, after 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 the stories, after the songs. Uh, 
So that's that's what one of the, the like the um, the ahas that I that I experienced whilst listening to Bradley Bradley, and 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 particularly based on that notion of groundedness, through the stories, through the songs, um, sharing a culture of groundedness, um, and a shared experience of groundedness, of pluralism, a pluralistic groundedness. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's what we got for today. Um, so with that, I say this. Namaste. Assalamu alaikum. Shalom. Mir, Zaijin, adios. Te chakaris, esempena, asamubo, kele ofed. One love and peace, happiness, and liberation. Thank you.